You're listening to a sermon from Pastor Caleb Gordon of First Baptist Church of Cedarville, Kansas. We pray this message encourages and blesses you this week. If you'd like to join us to worship in person, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. at 418 Monroe Street in Cedarville, Kansas. We would love to see you. Find out more about us online at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Cedarvale First Baptist. If these messages bless you in any way, please consider giving to help support the ministry at First Baptist Church. Our mailing address is First Baptist Church, Cedarvale, Kansas, P.O. Box 456, Cedarvale, Kansas, 67024. Hello, this is Pastor Caleb Gordon, and I wanted to this week share a message with you all that came from my father, Ed Gordon, who was pastor of Trinity Baptist Church in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. Um, He was promoted this last week to glory, and I felt that this message on discipline and children would be just a fantastic message for you all to hear, and I pray that it encourages you and blesses you this week. Bibles, if you would, and turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, find the letters to the Paul's letters, two letters to the church at Corinth, and you go right behind those. There's a couple of books. You'll find Ephesians in the sixth chapter is where we're going to be. And today we want to remember we're still speaking on the subject of authority. Several weeks ago we began a series on understanding God's intention that you and I live with authority as believers. And we've looked at the, the relationship of authority in several different areas uh, of the human life and understanding the chain of command that is to exist in the human personality. That is, God the Holy Spirit is to speak to your spirit, your spirit is to speak to your soul, and your sp- soul is to, to tell your body what to do. And that is God's chain of command or His line of authority that is to exist in the human personality. But it all begins with God's spirit speaking to your spirit, doesn't it? And we've looked at authority in relationship to several different areas. And these next two Sundays, this Sunday and next Sunday, we'll be looking at authority in relationship to the home and to those individuals who make up the home. Uh, Next, specifically this Sunday, we're going to look at the subject of authority as it relates to children. And then next week, we look, as we come to Mother's Day, we'll look at authority as it relates to husbands and wives and how that authority is to distill itself in the home. And here in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, I want us to see Ephesians 6, 4, I want you to see a verse. Now, let's start in verse 1, kind of get a running start, so that we can put verse 4 in its context. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. And by the way, uh, boys and girls, that promise is that if you obey your parents, you'll live a little longer, won't you? That thy days may be long. What? That's Well, that might be part of it. But uh, there is this is the first commandment with promise. That is a, a promise that God makes. And that is if you children, if you'll obey your parents, uh, God will extend your life. That's the promise that comes with that. That it may be well with thee and thou mayest live long on the earth. Now listen to verse 4 very carefully as we talk about the subject of authority. And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now I want to remind us, as we come to this subject of authority, 
Um, I, I think it's interesting. We walk back here to David. Not for any time's sake, but just walk back here to David and ask David. Ask David if he knows what this is. David, do you know what this is? Just take a look at that. What is that? I know, but what does it say at the top? What is it? Well, no, but it says it's a dishwasher use and care manual. Is that correct? So is that what this is? So in other words, if you were to buy a, if you were to buy a product like a dishwasher, you know what it comes with? It comes with an owner's manual. And what is contained inside an owner's, owner's manual? Well, it tells you how to use this thing. And it says, even in this thing, it tells me that if it has problems, it tells me where I can go to get help. In fact, it even, have, even has a section in here about self-help. In fact, the first problem it says here, if the dishwasher doesn't start, turn it on. Now, I think, well, I mean, that's what's, uh, is that a pretty good solution? And then it moves on from there about problems that it might have that could occur should you have problems with your dishwasher. Now, I've got a question. Uh, David and Katie, uh, you've recently become parents. Is that correct? Did that child come with an owner's manual? It did not come with an owner's manual? So there's no owner's manual with that baby. Isn't that terrible? I mean, everything you buy today, I don't care if it's a bread maker, a dishwasher, a stove, an automobile. Everything you buy today comes with a owner's manual. And typically, do you know where the origin of the owner's manual, that is where, how they originate? They come from where? The, ma the maker. They come from the manufacturer. And so, most everything we buy today has some sort of a, a product explanation that give us understanding about how to use that product and then when it doesn't function as it, as it ought, we can turn to the manual and figure out what to do with the product. Now, Humanity doesn't come with an owner's manual per se, does it? That is, Katie and David had this baby. And, and how many, when you, before you had children, have you had children all figured out before you had children? Raise your hand. Have you could tell somebody else how to raise their kid before you had children? Yeah. Have you discovered since you've had children, it doesn't work out quite that way? Yeah, it doesn't, yeah, just, what? It just doesn't work that way. I mean, all those preconceived notions are tossed out the window. When you have kids. And have you discovered that one kid, though born of the same parents, can be absolutely and completely 180 degrees different from the first child? I mean, they're just completely opposite one another. And you think that you've got the first one, you kind of got them sort of figured out. And then the next one comes along and throws a loop and you say, my goodness, is this child from us? You wonder, is this, how can this child even be related to us? And so the, the, one, the one thing that we are missing when it comes to children is, now see that, hear that noise? And by the way, do you know who that, do you know who that sound draws attention to more than any other group in here? The mothers. The mothers suddenly are attuned to the crying of a baby. The men probably find it at the most, at the, at the most annoying, but most men just kind of what? Just ignore it. Because we only, Dale, we only think 
with one box at a time open. Is that right? And if my baby box is not open at that moment, then I really don't what? Just don't care, just don't hear. Um, that's the way men, God made men. But there is, I have good news for us because God created mankind. Male and female created He them. And then it's not that you don't have an instruction manual, an owner's manual, because you really do have an owner's manual. It's just that our generation has forgotten that we have an owner's manual. Now, I'm going to say some things over the next two weeks that in relationship to the society that we live in today, are going to, what I'm going to say is going to be completely opposite or in contradistinction to what our society teaches about relationships with children and husbands and wives. It's going to be completely opposite. I'm just giving you this fair, this is a disclaimer, not on my part, but for your part, that you understand that what I'm going to say is going to be the truth from God's Word, and you're going to, it's going to make us uncomfortable. And isn't that what truth should do? Now, ladies, next Sunday is for you. Okay? I'd like for you to listen. Because I'm going to talk to the men first. And what I'd like for you ladies to do is just to take some notes. And the reason why is so you can remind the men what God has to say. But we want to talk to the dads today and see what God has to say about a father exercising his authority in his relationship to his children in the home. Now this little text that we just read, verse 4, this text tells us there, there are three basic responsibilities that every father has as he exercises authority in his own home in relationship to his children. Now let's look at these three basic thoughts that God gives us about a husband and a father in relationship to his children. Now look at verse 6. Now look at the first thing this, the Word says. He says, I mean, verse 4, and you fathers, Ephesians 6 verse 4, and you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Now there's the, there's the, there's the first, as fathers exercise authority in the home, here's the first teaching. Number one, fathers are not to provoke their children. Amen? Alright. Now your children, now listen carefully, fathers, they need to be loved, not provoked. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Now, how do you provoke your, your children, fathers? Well, I'll tell you how. Fathers provoke their children by nagging their children and, and by perpetual fault-finding. That is, fathers provoke their children by making unreasonable demands. Fathers provoke their children by harsh criticism. In fact, one little fellow said, I was seven years old before I knew my name was not shut up. And by the way, in the Gordon family, there was one word, a phrase of words that were not allowed. What were the, two, what were the words, Caleb, that were not allowed? Shut. Yeah, shut up was not allowed. 
And there are many kids that are raised in homes just exactly like that. And then when they're raised that way, we wonder why they turn out so wrong. Now, fathers, listen carefully. Dads, it is your job to make your home the center of your child's happiness. It ought to be to your child, that is, your child ought to think about his home or her home as the dearest place on the face of the earth. That is, the children ought to look at their home and they ought, not, they ought not think of their home as a place like hell. They ought to think of their home and think of their home as a place like heaven. The nearest to, to heaven on earth. And if we take these words that are negative that says, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger. If you take those words, provoke not, and you turn them around, that is, what is the antithesis to the word provoke not, and I believe that that word would be love or devotion. So to take this negative and to turn... And by the way, it's given in the imperative mood in the Greek language, which means it's given in the form of not a suggestion. It's given in the form of a commandment. To take that and turn it around and to make it positive, it would be that, fathers, you owe your children your devotion. You need to love your children. And I'm, I'm a, And listen... And have you understand this, that love to a kid primarily is spelled by giving. In fact, do you remember John 3.16 how he defined love? John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave. And he gave a specific gift in the form of his son. That's what it says. And so God's love was demonstrated to the human race in God's giving of his only begotten son. That's what happened. Now, I'm, I'm not just talking about, listen to me carefully. I'm not just talking about giving things to your children. As a matter of fact, sometimes giving things can be wrong. Giving things to your children can be wrong. Why? Because we give our children things as a guilt payment for not giving our children ourselves. And we give them gifts instead of ourselves and that's wrong. In fact, God so loved us that He gave us Himself. Not things. God gave us Himself. He gave Himself to us. And if you love your children, you will give of yourself to your children. Now, however, sometimes we give to our children to feed their greed and to stifle the guilt that we feel because we fail to give them as we ought of ourselves. You see, dads, listen, your children need you. Now I know that in our society today, it's written much about that in the family relationship that men are not really needed. Books are written on that subject. But dads, your children need you. And dads, your love to a child is spelled T-I-M-E. Dads, your children need your time. Now, are you fathers listening? Oh, I heard one yes. Which one of you was it that said yes? Okay, Caleb is the only one of the fathers that is listening. Now listen, dads, that baby that you're holding today, that baby that you're holding today won't be need to be rocked tomorrow. It won't want to be rocked tomorrow. Tomorrow, that little four-year-old that comes to you and constantly asks why, 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 They'll stop asking that question tomorrow. That schoolboy or girl that needs help with their lessons 
today will not need help with those lessons tomorrow. That teenager won't be bringing any of his friends around to eat your cookies tomorrow. Those times will quickly pass away. And I'm telling you, as a father speaking from experience and from the Word of God, you had better give your time while you're able. You better give your time while you're able. And I've never heard a parent tell me that they spent too much time with their children. I've never heard that. And did you know that, by and large, that your child, that baby as it grows in your home, will have made most of life's major decisions while under your roof by their teenage years? So, dads, you owe to your children your devotion. You owe them that. Now, let's slow down just a little bit. Let's, let's, let's talk about loving your child. Let's break this into specific categories. And because there are several kinds of love. Number one, the first kind I want to list is there is need love. Need love. Now, a little baby loves its mother. Not, not because the mother is kind or sweet or beautiful or compassionate. But the baby loves its mother because it needs its mother. It has to have its mother. That's need love. That baby needs its mama. And listen, have you noticed that in raising children, that's innate in every child. And the baby loves because it needs its mama. Now, there's another kind of love, and that is the need to be needed kind of love. Now, everybody in this room, all of us, need have that need to be needed kind of love. We do. We need to be loved. That is, we, how do you want to be loved? Maybe be, all right, how do you want to be hated? Maybe that would be provoke some sort of response. Nobody in this room wants to be hated. Everybody here wants to be needed and loved. Loved and needed. We have that desire. So we, we need to be needed. So we get a great satisfaction, and I'm speaking from experience, we get great satisfaction out of a little child depending upon us as fathers and as mothers. That is, they, they need us. And, and then we need that feeling to be needed. That's another kind of love. But have you, have you noticed that as children mature, the child doesn't need us as much as they used to? And sometimes that's when the child no longer needs his parent like it once did, that's sometimes where difficulty begins. That is, when the child does not need us as much as the child used to. And, and that's because, obviously, the child is maturing and that little baby is turning into a, a person of its own being in his own right, her own right, and that child is in the process of becoming an individual. And as the, have you noticed that as children start to become their own individuals, they sort of begin to break away from the mom and dad. Have you noticed that? There's that breaking away process for mom and dad. Now, here, here, here's where a problem develops. If mom and dad still have that need to be needed need, or they, they hang on to that need to be needed kind of love, and that son or daughter, they don't need mom and dad as they used to, as that develops, then attention can develop between the mother and the father and the child. That is, mom and dad still need to be needed. They have that, that feeling inside. 
They get fulfillment from that. But the child wants to be his or her own person. So the child tries to set itself free or break free, break away from mom and dad. But mom and dad try and keep them right here. No further than right here. So if mom and dad are not careful, they'll create artificial needs that are not real needs because they still need to be needed. And so sometimes a child tries to break away legitimately, not in rebellion, but because they're becoming their own person, but mom and dad don't see it that way. And they set rules and regulations around that child, artificial rules, and as a result of that, tension begins to develop. And through this, the child reacts more and more to the more rules and the more regulations and more tension develops than assertions and accusations are made after this. And then the child really does become rebellious because of the tension that the parents create in their need to be needed. And it roots in mothers over mothering and fathers over fathering by creating an artificial need to be needed. Understand that we as parents need to be wise. And we need to be wise enough to understand that we need to work to work ourselves out of our job. And you as a parent will be successful when you work your way successfully out of the job that God has given you. Now, when are you a successful parent? When are you a successful parent? I'm going to tell you when. It's when your child no longer needs you. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Bringing yourself to that place, mom and dad, to recognize that the child no longer needs you, that's a tough place to be. That is, when we brought them to the place where they can function on their own without us, when they don't need us anymore, that becomes a tough spot. Now, some of you, some of us have difficulty with this particular position in life. We get kind of mule-lipped about this. Now listen very carefully, parents. Moms and dads, we are to work ourselves out of a job. Now listen, are you still listening? Those of you who are a little bit mule-lipped, are you still listening? All right. We're to work ourselves out of a job, but not out of a relationship. The relationship is to stay. And we need to understand that success as a parent comes when they no longer need us. And through this, our relationship becomes sweeter than ever. But parents, be careful that you don't provoke your children to wrath. And one of the easiest ways for us as parents to do that is by creating artificial needs. Trying to make children conform to petty rules and petty regulations that are pointless. To create a sense of need in you to satisfy a need in the child, which is not needed at all. And you're, you're supplying and meeting a need in your life, but not the life of the child because you find it fulfilling in you and you're over mother and you're over father. The Bible says that you're to, to devote yourself to your child. Now there's another need that every child has. That's stated here. Now, are, we, let me just give, we've only got four minutes left, but let me give you this thought. We're still in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. And you fathers provoke not your children to wrath, 
but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The second need of every child is nurture. Every child needs nurturing. Now the word nurture is a word we hear little about today. That is, it's not used at all in our society today. And for the most part, our society is not familiar with the word nurture at all. So let me, let me help you understand this word. The phrase that's used here in the Greek language is the word empedia keru. Empedia keru. That's the phrase that's used here. You say, well, what does empedia keru mean? I'll tell you what it means. It speaks of correction, education, discipline, and chastisement. That is, it refers to training a child in such a way that the Lord approves. That is, bringing the child up in a manner in which God would approve. And this word, pedia, starts with a P in our language, pedia. Understand that this is a word that is not exercised in our society at all anymore. This is exactly the same word. Go to, go to Luke chapter, let me illustrate this. Matthew, Mark, Luke. And I'm going to give you this and I'm going to step out of here because we're going to have to stop. But look at, look at Luke chapter 23. And I want you to see the use of the word here in verse 22. 23, Luke 23, 22. Now listen to this word. Luke 23 and verse 22. This is the account of Jesus' crucifixion in verse 22. And he said unto them the third time, Why, what evil hath he done? I have found no cause of death in him. And listen what he says. I will therefore in pedia him and let him go. Same word. I will chastise him and let him go. This is where Pilate's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ and he says, I'll chastise him and let him go. And it's exactly the same word as nurture that's used in the Greek language here and in Ephesians 6. It's the word that means discipline. So not only are we to be devoted to our children and to show them love, we, we owe that child with our devotion proper discipline. That is, if we are to exercise the authority that God gives us as mothers and fathers, there has to be discipline in the life of that child. Now, I know that in this day and in this time, it's very controversial to talk about this. Because we live, we've been lived in a, we've been raised now with a generation that was raised by Spock and that was not to spank. Spock thought that he knew more about children than God did. Well, he did. And because of that, let me, I'm, I just, let's just be, as we talk, and, and you say, well, why, why does a child needs cor need corporal discipline? Number one, because it shows love. Whom, in fact, did you know that in Hebrews it says that whom the father loves, he uses the same word there, he nurtures them, he chastises every son whom he receives. 
And the Bible says that if you're a, a child without chastisement, then you're not, you don't belong to it. So children need discipline because they need love. Love is expressed by discipline. In fact, there in Proverbs, we're going to look, we'll take that up the next time we meet. But Proverbs teaches that if you don't spank your child, you love them. You know, I knew a woman named Shirley. And Shirley, she doesn't live here. Shirley lived in right Wyoming, was our next door neighbor. She never spanked her children. And she says, I don't spank them because I love them too much. Now, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says if you don't spank your children, you don't love. If you don't discipline your children, you don't love them. And, and in fact, you'll create a child if you don't discipline your child that doesn't know how to properly relate to authority or to love you as they ought. Now, I'm going to tell you something. The older generation that sits in this room were raised by the Board of Education. And some of you obviously didn't get it enough. Mike, I'm not talking about you. I know. But let me ask you a question. What is it that's come into our society that believes that we don't need to follow the Word of God, the owner's manual, about raising kids? But we do. Now, I'm going to tell you. There are some children that need a regular amount of discipline. There's others that don't need a whole lot. But every when you... When you we're, we're going to go... We're gonna give, next time we meet, we're going to give four points on corporal discipline from the Bible. They're not going to come from me. They're going to come from the Word of God. But the first thing is that when you exercise corporal discipline, you do that in love. Always. We're not talking about child abuse. We're not talking about clubbing a child. That's not what we're talking about. God would never promote or support child abuse. No, I, just, I'm, this is not part of this discussion. But I'm going to tell you something as a young man. I needed discipline. I needed it. My sister needed discipline, but she didn't get it near as often as I did. She didn't. And you know, there's not, there's not, listen, there's not a time that my father disciplined. In fact, I needed a whole lot more. Di I just didn't get caught. What are you laughing about, Isom? Didn't get caught either, did you? And you know what? There's never a time that I can remember in my head that my dad, in, in discipline, he never did it in anger. My dad, he always did it in love. And in fact, he would get down on my level as a little boy and, and, and by the way, let me just tell you something. Not everything deserves a spanking. That ought to be served them for the most egregious. You're trying to break the will of a child, not his spirit. And you're trying to bring that, the will of the child into confirmation to a certain standard, the standard of God's direction. But as you raise that child, it needs to be done in love, even in discipline. My dad never, ever, ever spanked me that he didn't get down on my level. And every time my dad disciplined me, he'd get down on my level and my dad would say, son, I do this because I love you. you now, you know, as a little, little guy, as you stand there, you're thinking to yourself, what? You're right. It's exactly right. You, you don't, you, you know, now as a father, when I had children, I didn't understand that until I had kids. And when I, and my boys, are, both of them are sitting here. I understood exactly what my dad meant when he said, son, I do this because I love you. And that's why I've always said that my dad loved me more than he loved my sister. <laughs> whipped me all the time. Never whipped my sister. And I told you the story that later in years we had a, my, we got together as a family and it finally came out that my dad would take my sister in her bedroom, would close the door, and there he would, it was supposed to be administering the rod of correction. Do you know what he did, Joe? He took a rolled up life magazine and he would hit the bed and she would scream, Oh! He would hit the bed. Oh! Did you know my dad never really spanked my sister? But did that to, as a discouragement to me. But I would lean up against the door. Now listen to me, Dad. I would lean up against her bedroom door and listen. Every time he hit that, I think he's hitting her, spanking her. And I would go, Yes! 
And then to come to find out later in life that my dad, honest to goodness, never spanked my sister. I was so upset. But out of that came, out of that came the thought that my dad loved me more than he loved my sister. My sister never accepted that, by the way, but I'm just telling you. So there are four reasons, and that's, then we'll talk, we'll expand on this first reason. The reason you discipline a child is number one, because you love the child. And we'll see that directly from scripture. That if you love your child, you're going to corporally discipline your child. Now, I know that that's not popular in our day. And I know that you go to prison if you spank your child today. I mean, that's just, it is not, it, it is set aside. And, and you think about, because there's a lack of corporal discipline in our system today, even, and by the way, they used to exercise corporal discipline in school. Right? Did you go to Dewey? Did you, did you go to Dewey? Yes, sir. They still... <laughs> White, the principal up there, did you know him? Uh, White. What is his name? Who? Golden. White, golden, I don't want, what, some color. Yep. Did you know him? Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> That's where I was headed. Because I, I knew where, and did, did you get familiar with the Board of Education? I did. Okay. Did you need it? <laughs> I'm just picking on him because I know both my boys went in the principal's office on a regular basis. What? And they needed it. But you know what? You don't go in the principal's office anymore. What? Who are you pointing at? What is this? You had to go to the principal. You did, Arlene? They took you in and spanked you? In the cloakroom. No. Well, this is the first time I've ever heard of a. But I never heard of girls ever getting whipped. What'd you, well, I don't want to know what you did. Huh? What'd you do? You didn't laugh at the teacher, did you? Yeah. Okay, all right. Strike one. But listen, how many of you here were raised with corporal discipline? Raise your hand. All right, put your hand down. How many of you, because of that, are warped and twisted because of it? Oh, put your, put your hands down. Obviously, I didn't do it long enough or good enough, did I? I should have spanked him more often than that. I'm going to tell you that there, that this thought that if you spank a child, it'll ruin the child. It'll somehow cause a twisting of the child. That is, if, if little Throckmorton wants to cut the, if little Throckmorton wants to cut the leg off the kitchen table and gets a saw and starts on the job, don't spank them or dis, let them, let them fulfill themselves by cutting the leg off the table. And that way they'll grow up and they'll be the right kind of a child. Hogwash. You take little Throckmorton and you pull him out from underneath the table and say, you don't do that, boy. And you lovingly discipline that child. And you say, well, I just want to, I just want to love my little child and let it just grow up, little rosebud to grow up and just unfold like a little flower. Well, I'll guarantee they will and poke you in the eye. It's exactly what they'll do. You'll live with regret. And one of the reasons we live with regret today in our society is because we refuse to give direction or corporally discipline our children. And we've, we, therefore, we're reaping the rewards and the fruit of a society that believes it has absolutely no con control over a child, that we're not to correct or direct the child. We're just to let the child grow up any way it wants with any thought that it wants and to do anything it wants. And guess what they're doing? They're just doing anything they want. And we as a society are looking around saying, what? Where did we go wrong? Now, I'm going to tell you something about discipline. It takes lots of work to discipline. The most time-consuming thing in the world is to discipline a child properly. You never do it in anger. You always do it in love. And you never do it as a reaction. You, you, 
if you don't ever react to a child and just slap a child. Never. You never treat a child that way. That's that's abuse. You lovingly take time. Love is spelled what? Time. Yeah. You give yourself to that child. And that child needs direction. And the only time it's going to get direction is when you pause and give yourself to that little boy or girl. Not everything. Listen, corporal punishment ought to be the last resort. Say amen. Not the first resource. The last resort. You do that as a last resort. But there needs to be concrete rules. Well, I've given you all four points. Now let's all stand. You've been listening to a sermon from Pastor Caleb Gordon of First Baptist Church of Cedarville, Kansas. We pray this message encourages and blesses you this week. If you'd like to join us to worship in person, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. at 418 Monroe Street in Cedarville, Kansas. We would love to see you. Find out more about us online at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Baptist. If these messages bless you in any way, please consider giving to help support the ministry of First Baptist Church. Our mailing address is First Baptist Church, Cedarville, Kansas, P.O. Box 456, Cedarville, Kansas 67024. God bless you.